0: for herself specifically libido i am breastfeeding right now and my libido has completely tanked it's like it's shit the bed i'm sorry i feel like a human amoeba incredibly asexual (laughs) at the moment (laughs) jessica help please and also can we talk about postpartum hair loss we need to talk about postpartum hair hair loss like no sex drive and and hair loss like this is it's the shit it's It's awful and i have like just these little mini bangs coming through and then i wake up (laughs) And I have hair all over my pillow. I haven't been laid because I don't want to be. And it's just, honestly, it's, I need, we all need help. Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki, and our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly, we go there because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. So, today we are so excited to welcome Dr. Jessica DuPont, naturopathic doctor, birth doula, fertility strategist, and more. Her practice focuses on hormonal regulation, something I'm pretty sure we all end up needing at some point in our lives. I've actually seen several naturopathic doctors over the years, and Jessica is amazing. She's a wealth of information and has made it her mission to empower women to embrace their divine feminine power. And we need some more of that, don't we? Don't we? <laughs> yeah, <Heck> yes. <laughs> we That's what it's all about. All of it. We got to talk some, some hormones today with the expert herself, specifically libido. I am breastfeeding yeah. right now, and my libido has completely tanked. It's like, it's shit the bed. I'm sorry. I feel like a human amoeba, incredibly asexual <laughs> at the moment. Jessica help please and also can we talk about postpartum hair loss we need to talk about postpartum hair loss like no sex drive and and hair loss like this is it's the shit it's It's awful and I have like just these little mini bangs coming through and then (laughs) I wake up and I have hair all over my pillow I haven't been laid because I don't want to be (laughs) and it's just honestly it's I need we all need help so let's start by talking about like postpartum and and just some of the impacts on on hormones and the libido and hair all that good fun stuff. Yeah. And I know yeah, you get it for sure. you have an 8 month old just to clarify. Yeah. You have an 8 month old. I have a 3 month old. Lexi has Five. a 5 month old. So we are in this together. All ladies. in it.
1: Yes. So I just got out of that whole phase of hair loss, thank God. God. Um, But now I'm starting, of course, to get in the baby hairs, you know, under the neck and all of this, and you're trying to cover it up by putting up your hair. Yeah. But uh, there's a whole wave of, of hormonal shifts that go on postpartum, right? So initially you know, after we have a baby, our hormones actually tank. So during pregnancy, what happens is our estrogen is on the rise, our progesterone is on the rise. And so that extra estrogen is actually giving us all this extra hair growth. So I don't know if you guys ever got compliments on
0: your hair during pregnancy. Yes, I finally had hair. Like it went from being like a big, like a a little mini, 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 mini bit of a ponytail to like a luscious ponytail to now it's all just coming out. I've lost half my head, 100%. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so what's happening is you're getting all this hair and it looks all luscious. And then as soon as you're born, um, birth itself is a very inflammatory reaction to your body. It also spikes up our cortisol, right? So there's a stress piece and then also dealing with a new baby at home and trying to breastfeed and all of that. You have the cortisol piece happening and your adrenal glands being affected. Then on top of that, of course, you have prolactin on the rise. So prolactin is the hormone that... um, helps your milk come in, helps you. Right. And as you breastfeed more and more, your prolactin goes up and up and up. And as prolactin goes up, our estrogen and progesterone drop. And okay. when estrogen and progesterone drop, it's now nice. you're experiencing a whole array mm-hmm. of emotions, your libido oh, completely my. drops. And um, so when estrogen drops, our, our, our libido just plummets as well, so, which is what, what is happening to us in a postpartum period. It's what's happening to us immediately postpartum. And kind of when you hit that four or five month um, postpartum period, our estrogen levels and product, yeah, our estrogen levels begin to, they do drop a little bit more. And that's when we start and our hormones begin to regulate a little bit. Oh, amazing. You know, they they begin to regulate a little bit though, um, in a different way. And our prolactin begins to normalize a little bit. However, prolactin is still very high. And so this is now we're starting to lose all of the extra hair that we gained mm-hmm. during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so we think that we're losing extra hair and that we're balding, but that's we're not. Exactly. That's <laughs> we're exactly what I think.
0: No. We're not balding. We're just shedding, right? Yes, we're just this? shedding the extra hair. You hear the like, old wives pregnancy. tale of someone who, a friend of a friend of a friend who then lost all the hair. <laughs> so that's <laughs> what I wonder. So that's good yeah. news.
1: Yeah. So that kind of looks at, at the... Um, the hair piece, but the postpartum piece of libido, it's not just hormonal, right? I think we, we kind of step in and we blame our hormones for a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but you, you throw on top of that, having a baby attached to your boob, you know, 24 Mm seven, or you're healing from a C-section scar. You're dealing with pain in the perineum. Um, plus a lot of women begin to feel unsexy, right? Their body changes, uh, they might have stretch marks, there's a fear of intercourse because of pain, or honestly, because women's feel, feels like their vaginas are wide and they're worried about what partners oh are gosh. going
0: to feel that. Yes. Like. Yeah. What is it going to look know.
1: like? I know. Right? And we don't talk about it and we don't tell our partners about it. And we tend to just say to our partner as well, it's hormones, right?
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was hoping
1: that was legitimate. <laughs> I it is. True, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, again, we're dealing with the estrogen being low, and and that is a factor, and our testosterone as well begins to drop, and our hormones are highly affected by other things, and that's that's the biggest thing to remember. It's highly dependent on stress, and we know being in a postpartum period, there's a lot of stress going on. We're trying to adapt to the new baby at home. We're trying to do it all. I think Nikki, you did a post about this recently.
0: Oh yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> do it all doing it all is such a it's such a myth you're just like some stuff just has to give I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and and for for me too I'm just like oh my god is there something wrong like all these people Mm -hmm. are like you know I remember just anecdotally a friend of mine had gotten the clear at her six-week checkup to be like okay now you can go have sex again and she was like oh I'm so excited I've missed it so much and I was like (laughs) are you who? No, for real. Like, who are you? Are you even my friend? Like, I was just so like, I don't no. understand. No, I, yeah. But I tell it, to be you know, in all seriousness, I was like, God, like, is this normal? that like, I have yes. zero sex stress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So some exactly. women
1: actually thrive on stress. So they, their libidos can actually go up. And I think oh. that also depends too on progesterone levels because we know the higher the progesterone the lower the libido. And so if her progesterone is on the lower end, it could actually be benefiting her in, in a way. But um, there's also, you know, if she was avoiding sex throughout her pregnancy, or anything like that, or then, you know, having sex postpartum can actually look like a way of reconnecting with their partner. Right. I remember me, um, when after my first born, there was this feeling of, oh my god, I, it's not just me and my partner anymore. And it was a really odd feeling. You know, you have this new baby there and you love them and you want to spend tons of time with them, but you have to spend so much time with your baby. There's this fear of losing intimacy with your partner and losing that connection with your partner. And so Mm. I feel like some women jump into sex early because Mm -hmm. they're like, I just want to feel connected again and not lose that relationship.
0: Yeah, I I can see that. Like, I think for me, and it's interesting what you say also about when you're breastfeeding and your hormone levels, because with, Hyper, my first, I felt like my libido was came back a lot faster, but I also mm. um, had le- a lower milk production. So I don't know if those are probably linked. Then with Clark, I Absolutely. have a much higher milk production, so I didn't need to incorporate formulas eas- as early. Early, and this time around, I'm finding it more challenging than with. Uh, Piper but that connection piece with Piper was definitely why I like jumped on the bandwagon very Mm -hmm. quickly on afterwards but I think it was also the combination of want not wanting to not be not normal because it's the six weeks you're good to go Um, and I actually didn't have tearing with my first so I, I was good to go kind of even earlier and I'm like No, maybe, like, wait a few more weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) um, yeah. But wanting to not be not normal and also that want for the connection back of that relationship, just the two of you of something that you guys just have. Um, Meanwhile, your body's been used for all of these things. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, used, like, literally used. So that's, yeah, that's just an interesting kind of connection between the two um, for sure. Right. And with your,
1: when you, um, when your breastfeeding starts to go down, if you're not breastfeeding as much or you're introducing formula, then obviously prolactin levels will drop and then your estrogen will go back up, right? And so the libido tends to return. And now going back to kind of your friend too, Nikki, there's kind of the flip side of things. So if your estrogen drops, of course, you know, we do see lack of lubrication in the vagina. So sex can become painful. That's another factor. But then we also have this beautiful release of oxytocin when we're breastfeeding. And so oxytocin releases the, um, or with release with breastfeeding kind of causes that milk ejection reflex. And that actually appears to have a positive effect on mood. So if mood was low before this, and you're avoiding sex because of low mood, that's a factor. But as mood goes up, we know that um, libido will go up it just will, right? We tend to just feel more energetic. We feel more lively. We have more self-confidence. We might sleep better, things like that. So there's so many factors outside of just hormones that could be playing a role, right? Medications, like there's so many different things. And
0: with that, like for now, that's like kind of moms and, um, you know, postpartum. And so with non-moms and libido and, you know, anyone can have a low libido, how do you kind of know that your libido is low? Like obviously sex drive, you would think, but are there other signs that people would look for to say, oh, am I just tired or do I have low sex drive or both? And just for you know mm-hmm. everyone out there, because I love what you said about I mean, I love and I hate it because I definitely think the hormone out card is a real nice one to use. (laughs) Um, But the fact that that's not just the factor and that there's stress and that there's a lot of these external factors that play a role in it. So Mm -hmm. how does that work with, you know, non-moms and um, just everyone, I guess, in general?
1: Yeah. So everyone in general, I mean, the first sign is, I, I think that women should look at their periods. Okay. Okay, So our periods are a great way, a great indicator of telling us if there's something hormonally going on, if if there's some dysfunction happening, right? And so basically what happens is when our periods are normal, we have an increase. So when we have our period, our estrogen and progesterone tend to be at its lowest, and then it gradually inclines as, as we hit ovulation. And then around ovulation, we, our estrogen is up, our testosterone is up. And so we feel sexy, we feel vital, we feel energetic, and it's like go time, our libido goes up. And then but after ovulation, what happens is now progesterone is on the rise. And as progesterone increases, our libido tends to go down. So this is kind of like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this during your cycle. But, you know, as we move into after ovulation, it's kind of like, Oh, I kind of want to become a recluse again, and just kind of like (laughs) tuck in and, and then we have our period and it's even worse. And so that's kind of when the hormones tend to decline again. And so the first thing is to kind of look at the cycle. You know, you're looking at the regularity of your cycle, you're looking at uh, the amount of blood loss, is it too light? Is it too dark? Is there blood clots? Is it painful? You know, all of these things could be signs of a hormonal imbalance. So the one thing with libido, it's never just low libido. Okay, so low libido is not a cause, right? It's a symptom, it's a consequence of what your hormones are doing. It's a consequence of your sleep patterns, what you're eating. It's a consequence of medications. It's also a consequence of the mind, you know, what is your attitude towards sex? What is your relationship with your partner? Um, so other signs you can look for though, is vaginal dryness. Is there pain during intercourse? Are you feeling disconnected with your partner? Uh, are you sleeping well? No. Is there a lot of, I know exactly. <laughs> Right. So if there's low libido happening, you have to kind of sit back and question why. And then looking at your thyroid could be another thing, right? Because we know thyroid hormone is off, then you're probably not sleeping well. You're not eating well. You're not feeling your mood is low. Like there's just so many other things uh, that are associated with low libido. And so. um, Thyroid is common though,
0: right? Like thyroid is super common. So common. I've had so many, I had a friend of mine out of nowhere, she gained like she's a healthy like fitness seeker you mm-hmm. know like she she's not this came sort of surprised to her and mm-hmm. uh, everybody's just like what's going on and um, her tsh was 11 yeah really what's high it, what's the tsh that's your thyroid thyroid stimulating hormone maybe you could, yeah. I mean you're the expert <laughs> so tell <laughs> us so what is there like a test like if you think so i guess this might be interesting for people like she had no idea and she was trying to conceive and it wasn't happening. And so that's when mm. she got her thyroid tested. And mm-hmm. then they were like, holy crap, you need to go on meds for this. Oh, wow. And then she got yes. pregnant like right away. After yes. they. After she went on Synthroid. Now, I yes. know there's natural ways that you don't have to necessarily go on Synthroid because it's pretty highly like, commonly prescribed drug mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. everyone needs it. But I have to say, like, because I went through fertility myself, so I had to get all these hormone tests right. done. And that's when I learned about this. And she yes. had been gaining weight; her hair was thinning. So, like, yeah, maybe so she some, had all the signs. All right? the signs. So, maybe you can go over that if someone's listening to this and they're going, mm-hmm. "Maybe I have a problem with my thyroid that's causing my low libido." So, what would be some mm-hmm. of those signs?
1: So, some of the signs, like you said, are you know weight gain. It could be even anxiety and depression. It could be um, an imbalance in the menstrual cycle. So, if your cycle is irregular, or you find you're not ovulating a lot of women will see constipation issues or hair thinning hair loss. Um, It could also be more like brittle nails and things like that. And the thyroid can actually be hyperactive. So it's overactive or it can be hypo, which is underactive. The most common one we see is the underactive or where it's under functioning, a root cause in that highly is stress. Um, But it can also be heavy metals. It can also be viral. So there's a few different components there. So um with the thyroid testing one of the biggest mistakes that people do is they just test TSH. So that's your thyroid stimulating hormone. Mm-hmm. It's secreted from inside the brain, right? I'm going to keep it kind of very simple here. And there's, <laughs> <not to know.
0: laughs> there's a lot <laughs> to know. It's to There's a lot I'm to know, so I'm not so going go like it's super
1: long. complex, but there's downward hormones. So there's so the thyroid stimulating hormone will actually act or trigger the release of other hormones to actually act on the thyroid itself and to act at the tissue level. And a lot of the times TSH is normal or what would be conceived as normal as normal. Uh, but then your downward hormones are not. So a Uh lot of women are testing TSH and their doctors are going, it's fine because it's what we would call within range. And I'd say this in quotations because the range is so huge, right? It's 0.3 to five. Oh wow. So if women are at like four, Doctors are going. It's fine. You're fine. However, we know to conceive or to be, you know, to have an optimal thyroid level. The optimal thyroid level is between one point five and two. Okay. okay, so it's a very narrow window. Wow. So as soon as someone's even at two point five, I'm going. Okay, we need to help with thyroid conversion. We need to find out what's going on at the tissue level. Um, So that's those are your T4 and T3 hormones. You're looking at the antibodies of the thyroid as well, because there could be autoimmune response with the thyroid, which is actually very common. Mm -hmm. And if you're just going on Synthroid, for example, but you're not addressing the autoimmunity component, you can still have issues conceiving, right? right? And so we need to, especially with women who are having issues conceiving, or if they're seeing issues um, with weight gain, like they're trying to lose weight and it's not happening, and, you know, they're irritable and they're trying to figure out what's going on with their bodies. They're not sleeping well, having hair loss, all these things, then you should look at the thyroid. And I, I, I do it as a general. I know.
0: Well, it's general. like a vicious cycle too, because you're saying like that causes stress, but stress causes these imbalances. And like, it's just, yes. is going to continue around and around and around.
1: Right. Absolutely. So if you picture kind of your um, hormones as a giant spider web right? If yeah. you pluck the web at one end, the whole web shakes.
0: That's a great, I analogy. love that. So
1: if you if one hormone is off, they're all going to be off, right. right? So you kind of have to like, go back and be like, where did this all start? Right? Like what hormone was affected first? Why? Because the hormone is, is not the cause either. A hormone imbalance is a symptom as well. Right. And so you have to be like, what is actually going on at the tissue level? What's going on at a biological level? Um, and with so yeah, the- there's a lot of play.
0: When you talk about your period being a big factor in terms of, uh, being able to kind of diagnose, diagnose, quote unquote, like, and understand if you have some issues in terms of hormone imbalance, Mm -hmm. what would you be wanting to look for? Like when you're saying, you know, whether it's, uh, Claudia or this or that, so what's the ideal and then what would raise kind of your concerns of saying, okay, something's going on here. Let's, let's do some, you know, tests on this
1: for sure. So the ideal cycle, so like a textbook cycle yeah. and I say quotations too, because it's also a little bit of variation, but your menstrual cycle should come on flawlessly. So a lot of women have some cramping, which is common, but I wouldn't say cramping is a normal thing. I wouldn't normalize that. So that's already telling me, you know, is there some sort of imbalance going on? Mm-hmm. PMS is an imbalance. Okay. So I'll get that in a second. Oh, but so I, I shouldn't
0: have PMS. PMS? What?
1: No. <laughs> So that's another excuse out the window.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: Commonly, um, so basically our periods should last anywhere from about, um, three to seven days in length. I say ideally four to five, um, it should be a moderate blood flow. So it could be a little bit heavier in the beginning and then taper off, which is okay. As long as it's not tapering off too quickly. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to see like a three day period, which is super, super light because that could tell me, okay, there's probably estrogen deficiency happening. Oh, okay. Um, if there's clots that might tell me that there could be potentially endometriosis there. It, what it's really telling me is that there's stagnation within the uterus and within the reproductive organs. Mm-hmm. So meaning that there's just not fresh blood flow coming in. There's old blood coming out, especially if there's like brown blood or spotting in and around the cycle. That's telling me that there's old stagnant blood that's kind of not coming out. So there's a lot of stagnation within the uterus. Um, If you're ovulating, so ideally, we like to see anywhere from a 26 to 30 day cycle, the average is 28 days. Yeah. And um, you're usually ovulating around day 14. Right? Or if you have a 26 day cycle, you're ovulating around day 12. If you have a 30 day cycle, you're ovulating around day 20. Okay. And so, um, or no, sorry, not day 20, uh, day 16. (laughs) Right. So, um, if we see that you're ovulating too early, that can also be a sign of an imbalance. Or if you're ovulating too late, that can tell me there is an, a progesterone issue. If there's irregular cycles, so you're having a 35-day cycle one month, and then you're having uh, two cycles in one month, the next, and then the cycle disappears for three months. Right. You know, that's telling me, okay, are, do you have an ovulatory issue? Is there PCOS? Um, is there just a progesterone issue where there's not enough progesterone and too much estrogen? So endometriosis, a lot of pain during the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a lot of pain, you know, in, in your abdomen, but then also your back and radiating down your legs, even to the point where you need an Advil, that's a sign to me of an estrogen dominance. There's too much estrogen in the system. Doesn't necessarily mean there's endometriosis, but there's an estrogen dominance, and that's where we look at the liver, right? Okay. So the liver wow. is the organ that. Um, detox, helps detoxify estrogens within the body, helps you convert the good estrogen to the bad, or sorry, the bad estrogen to the good estrogen, because we do have both Mm -hmm. in our body. And so we know that if there's even a lot of PMS, there's usually a low level of progesterone and this estrogen dominance picture. Wow. So there's a lot of emotions, um, irritability, feeling fatigued, bloating, breast tenderness, all of this. And so if we (laughs) can get those
0: (laughs) fun, fun, fun,
1: Right, so if we so can get the like, estrogens out, that. right, we can get these to- the liver functioning well, so that's metabolizing your hormones more effectively, get those toxic estrogens out, bump up your progesterone, you're going to have a way better period, and things are going to start right. to normalize.
0: Right, and, and no that. wonder we have low libidos, like, gosh, all of this yeah. stuff, like, well, come on. You have to have sex when you're like, feeling like what's the right? impact yeah, exactly. of the pill, though? Like, I know this is, like, we are really getting <laughs> into the gritty here. <laughs> But like, I just, just, I know it's probably, you could talk about this for hours and yeah, this yeah, so much to know, but just as a high level overview, what impact does oral contraceptive or even like any type of. Uh, yeah. Cause same, cause I had an IUD um, previous, like prior to Piper mm-hmm. and I noticed, I used to have like the perfect period in terms of like textbooks, quote unquote, like yeah. it was really regular, all those things that you just kind of listed off. And then um, after getting IUD, I had like the worst. It was like kind of the complete opposite and it was so crampy and so long. After like you seven Yeah, one in. Oh okay. and then throughout the time I had my IUD was like that. So <sighs> it's interesting question to ask though, because that would then totally throw me off because I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I have knowing what you've just told me now, oh I have issues with my hormones, like this isn't the mm-hmm. you know, textbook kind of period that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So now what's going on? And and then I guess I wouldn't I would probably be incorrect or maybe correct, but yeah, it's an interesting question around contraception yeah. for sure. Yeah. So
1: some hormonal birth control methods, so such as the pill, the patch, or um, for example, ortho Evra is one, um, in- injectable injectable contraceptives and like the vaginal ring, the Nuba ring. So yeah. what they do is they actually suppress the usual cyclical nature of hormones and may affect desire and sexual functioning as well. And so they kind of give you this fake period. And what they're, what it's actually doing is suppressing your hormones throughout your entire cycle. So you're not getting that bump in estrogen leading up because you're not ovulating,
0: right? right?
1: So you're not getting the follicular stimulating hormone on the rise and the The nice stuff, the good stuff, all that stuff that helps lead (laughs) up to ovulation where you start feeling energetic and start feeling amazing. You're not getting that. And some women will actually have more of a desire while other women experience less desire. They'll even uh, orgasm will be less, uh, likely, oh, wow. and you might tell you have stuff. no, no, no one's vaginal drawing a pamphlet <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> may not orgasm, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh,
1: and then when you go close. off the pill, like, and the problem is, is you know, women think that by taking the pill, they're regulating their period, right? right? They're told that yeah. like, this will regulate your cycle, and women think that because one, their doctors tell them that, and two, because they're like, well, oh, now I have no pain during my cycle, and my period's coming right. once a month and lasting four days, so yay for me. But then they go off the pill and they're going, Oh my God, my periods are like painful, what's happening. And it's all over the place. And that's because they didn't actually address the root cause. Right. So during this whole time they're on birth control, they're suppressing their, their hormones and suppressing the root cause. And meanwhile, the root issue is proliferating. It's getting worse and worse and worse. So we see this with women who have endometriosis or PCOS and they go on the pill to regulate their cycle. Then they come off And they say, well, I want to get pregnant now. And you're going, Um, well,
0: (laughs) now we have to like go back 10 years. Okay. (laughs) Here's a question for you. If someone is currently on the pill or doing some type of, of contraception Mm -hmm. and they want to conceive, how long do you recommend they come off before conceiving to regulate Yes. That's a great question. So
1: minimum, minimum three months, because the cycle of the egg is three months and it'll take about three months to help regulate your cycle. And that's if you're doing the work to help regulate your cycle, right? You're, you're eating the right diet, you're sleeping, you're taking supplements and you're doing everything to kind of, um, increase the vitamins and minerals that were actually depleted by the pill. Mm -hmm. So I, before this, before even going into naturopathic medicine, I was on the pill for 10 years. I didn't know, I was never told that it depletes my B vitamins and depletes my CoQ10 and my vitamin D, right? Right. So then we expect to get pregnant right away, but all of those vitamins and minerals are essential for conceiving. Mm. So if you're not replenishing them, you're in trouble. So I say minimum three months, six months is ideal, right? To just help yourself even detoxify from the toxins that were in the pill to begin with. Right,
0: right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went on for acne, like I had acne when I was in, when I was like 15 years old and I went on the pill for it. And right. I was on it, and it helped, right? It helped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What yeah. a way. Yeah. But I was on it then. But I also, and I was always, like, a very, like, just naturally, like, thin, eat anything I wanted type annoying person, which does <laughs> not exist now <laughs> today. <laughs> but, yeah, I was 15. But, but then I gained, so, I, I was, like, the heaviest I had ever been. Like, I, my face, like, you know, like, just... A weight that you could tell was not a natural yeah. weight gain. Like it, yes. you could tell it was probably And uh, now looking back linked to like hormone imbalance and things like that. But mm-hmm. I was on the pill, so I probably wouldn't have, yeah. you know, like all those things that you said that it kind of masks what's truly going on in your body. And then I was on it for so many years mm-hmm. um, also. So it's, yeah, it's very interesting around that. And like what, so when we, I guess, and this is such a more general because it sounds like there's probably a may, many many ways of tackling this. But if you have those feelings of like a low libido and you're tired and you're you're thinking that you have some sort of a hormone imbalance that's going along with it because of some of the signs that you just listed out, like mm. what are the things that we should be doing for ourselves either to like maintain a good hormone balance mm-hmm. if we are feeling imbalance or if we are out of balance, like what are those things that we could be doing um, to help to help us?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So the first thing, of course, is finding out the root cause of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So getting some testing done, maybe connecting with a, a healthcare provider to just kind of go through your symptoms and have an idea of what is actually going on. Yeah. But if you don't do that, the first thing, of course, like I said, is look at your menstrual cycle. What's happening? Obviously, that doesn't tell you everything because your, your menstrual cycle can be absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. But you still have no libido and you're like, well, my hormones are off. There's got to be something. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I have it all the time. Yeah. Like, can't do like, 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 <laughs> <That's> Yeah. <funny. laughs> right. So, but look at your cycle because that yeah. could be indication that estrogen is off or progesterone or testosterone. Um, one of the biggest things, of course, is managing inflammation. So we know that conditions like PCOS, endometriosis, autoimmune um, disorders, even stress is highly inflammatory. Mm -hmm. So you must manage stress and support your adrenal glands to ensure that your body and nervous system are energetically ready. Um, Exercise and sleep are also critical. So getting your eight hours a night. We know that, um, so (laughs) I know it's so hard being a postpartum mom and this is where one of the big problems lie. (laughs) LOL. I know. I haven't slept in five in like hours. Years, <laughs> oh my god! It's so funny. We're just like, okay,
0: next tip. Yeah, like, the Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Maybe I'll the other so if
1: somebody doesn't have kids already, <laughs> no, yeah, um, we want to try to get to bed before eleven p.m. because oh, between eleven p.m. and I was two was emailing her at midnight last yeah.
0: night. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oops. yeah fail. We're failing this one. (laughs) Okay, it's okay. There's other ways. But sleep is very critical because if you're not sleeping, you wake up feeling fatigued and lethargic. And that makes you crave sugar because your cortisol will spike, right? And then it'll completely drop. And so what we do is then we reach for carbohydrates, that'll increase our blood sugar, make it plummet, that makes us reach for more carbohydrates. And so we're actually like, upping our sugar without really noticing it, making us feel like garbage, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And reaching for that kind of afternoon coffee. And we know caffeine affects the adrenal glands and is inflammatory as well, and is not good for our hormones. So it's this vicious cycle. Um, But getting especially some sleep between 11pm and 2am, because that's when we have Mm -hmm. melatonin release, So melatonin is the hormone that's secreted by the pineal gland and it helps regulate our hormones, our biological clock, our temperature, our thyroid, everything. And so if you're getting to bed at 1, 2 AM, you're missing that vital time of melatonin production. Right. So that's kind of the sleep piece. Um, Of course, we want to work on the liver, like I said, to kind of optimize hormone metabolism, working on digestion and So probiotics are always a really good thing or eating probiotic rich foods like fermented foods to just help. um, If we bring inflammation down in our diet, then we're basically helping the digestive system, right? So in our digestive system, it's like a huge neurological network Mm -hmm. and our mood is highly regulated by our gut health as well. So we see that, you know, if our gut is unhealthy, there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of anxiety. And so, if we bring inflammation down, and we're eliminating well, so our bowels are eliminating well. So, if there's constipation, mm-hmm. you're trying to eliminate toxins. But if you're holding on to yeah. your bowel movements, then you're holding on to toxins as well. And that's going to make us feel lethargic. That's going to make us feel like garbage. And that's going to decrease our libido as well. Right. And so, there is research showing as well that if we have a good balanced microflora within the gut, and also a good vaginal flora that enhances our lubrication it decreases risks of yeast infections and utis which i have a history of utis before going into naturopathic medicine and i never wanted to have sex right because right. i was afraid that it was going to give me a uti yeah and i have so many patients with that now with Yeast infections are so like every time i have sex i get a yeast oh infection God. right and yeah i, I have that. a friend so, with the
0: uti same sort of issue and like can't get can't narrow in on what it is and then she has two kids and it's every and she's like, I why why would I want to have sex when no. every single time I end up having some sort of like this UTI issue? So she's gonna you. She's to you. Yeah, she's <laughs> come to you. And, and
1: also the pelvic floor, right? Yeah. And Nikki would know that too, right. is that even um, with postmenopausal women, especially, we have a lot of UTI issues. Yeah. And uh, because of the pelvic floor. And right. and after kids, it that that progr- that um gets even worse. And as estrogen drops, that gets worse. And so it's not only the hormonal piece, but it's also the structural uh, piece of the, of the pelvic floor and making sure that's working effectively. So, um, the other thing too, I mean, obviously diet is a big one, right? So when it comes to healing imbalances and optimizing, um, libido and optimizing your hormones, you need to start with a whole foods diet with plenty of fruits and vegetables, you know, that are high in antioxidants, high in nutrients, And, uh, you need to balance those meals with what I prefer is plant-based proteins. And I'll tell you why in a second, healthy fats and, um, complex carbohydrates so that they're not spiking your blood sugar. Okay. So 50%, if you think of your plate of food, 50% of your plate should be above ground vegetables or fruit. Above
0: ground. mm -hmm, So no, no French fries. (laughs) (laughs) No potatoes. I actually (laughs) love potatoes. I (laughs) think there's a lot of those. those Or carrots or. No carrots. No, beef? Well, no, 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 yep. no, no, no. So nightshades, so is that why I've heard so something some nightshades and
1: inflammation. Yeah, there's some people who can um, find nightshades inflammatory. And so we do kind of take that out sometimes and then reintroduce it. Okay. So mushrooms and eggplant and tomatoes yeah. can be inflammatory for a lot of people. However, we know the above ground veggies, they won't spike your blood sugar as much as say the underground veggies. So I say 50% of, of your plate should be those above ground veggies and fruit. Don't be afraid of
0: fruit. Um, That's, 25. I think, a big thing to know yeah, because I feel crazy. like, especially especially now with so many fad diets, it's like, it's oh no fruits, there's all sugars and uh, all that. And I'm yes. like, fruits? It's so Yeah, yeah, a banana, banana. It's like bananas it's like of, like bananas, bananas, all of like bananas right when you wake up. <laughs> oh, no. <yeah>. Oh, I <laughs> know. Have, I had oh. someone tell me, how much banana is in your smoothie? And I was like, one, they're like, you should only have half a banana a day. Like it oh, was here, like a yeah. purple. No, and <laughs> I had someone turn me it? to sub out banana and no, only blueberries. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's very unfortunate because it's caused a fear smell. around fruit, you right? It, it's such a fear and it's really terrible because the way we process sugar from fruits is totally different than the way we would process it from like, of
0: muffins, yeah. oh,
1: jelly beans <laughs> or candy. Oh, and so there's all this fiber, which actually helps us detox our toxic estrogens. It helps us um, our bowels to eliminate well. There's tons of nutrients and fruits and vegetables or fruits that you're missing if you're taking fruit out of your oh. diet. Which is one of the reasons that I really don't like the ketogenic diet, and if you want me to speak about that, I can. Ooh, but, new so. episode! <laughs> yes, seriously. that's coming a whole other soon. Other thing.
0: That yeah, that's okay. a whole other
1: thing. So much but are you about? Jeez. I know
0: they're really. Angry. Yes,
1: I know, but the problem grapes? is. <laughs> yeah, so don't be afraid of fruit, and then so twenty. Another fifty percent of your plate should be twenty-five percent a healthy protein or fat. And then um, the other 25% could be a starch or a healthy underground vegetable, right? So it could be like your beets and your potatoes and your sweet potatoes. What I do normally
0: stay away from
1: is your your gluten-containing grains because those are very pro-inflammatory. They're going to wreak havoc on your hormones, especially your thyroid. And so we know that taking gluten out is highly beneficial. Mm
0: -hmm. The
1: other no foods I usually say to stay away from are eggs. I know oh, that's like that's a, a a tough one for a lot of people. Wow,
0: I was just thinking I was going to go back to like when I, when I used to have an egg every morning. I had one this morning, which it's okay if you're not dealing
1: with it, like um, inflammatory issues, right? So oh, eggs are very pro-inflammatory, and the way so I was mentioning you want to be kind of like more pro-plant-based proteins, mm-hmm. and the reason I say that is because if you're having a lot of hormonal issues, mm. and now you're taking in hormones from other animals right. on top of that, and you're trying to regulate your own, that can even cause big issues. And I'm not saying you need to become vegan or anything like that. Um, but decreasing your animal products by 50% and decreasing your fats alone by 50% can actually balance your hormones out tremendously. And I even say to have four meals a day, so some people are like, oh, I just want to have my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. I say add one between like 2 and 4 p.m. Because if you go four hours without eating, your adrenal glands are just having a really hard time. It's not going to help with your adrenal glands and your cortisol and your blood sugar. So every kind of you know two to three hours, you do want to put something in your stomach right. and Ideally, you want to pair a protein with any carbohydrate to help curve that spike in blood sugar and the drop.
0: Okay. So, yeah. like nut and would you recommend like nuts and seeds as like a good snack and things like that? Right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know what? It's Victoria Beckham diet cheats regularly. I so. hear <laughs> <laughs> nuts and seeds. Apparently. Now have you guys ever heard about
1: the seed cycling?
0: Have cycling? The seed Cycling. No. No.
1: Oh, oh my goodness. This is probably the easiest and best way to balance hormones for somebody to do. Okay. Yeah. We'd love to know. (laughs) It's very simple. The idea is, is that during your menstrual cycle, you're kind of going with your cycle and you're balancing, um, the estrogen and the progesterone using different seeds during your cycle. Stop it. So from day one to 14, so say somebody had a 28 day cycle or ideally that's what we're trying to achieve. From day one to 14, you want to balance out estrogen and you want to bring up estrogen. So, you should have a tablespoon of flax and a tablespoon of pumpkin seeds every day in your diet. Oh my Um, Then, after ovulation, so day kind of 15 to 28, you switch to progesterogenic seeds, which are your sesame seeds and sunflower seeds.
0: Oh my gosh. This is the biggest hack ever. I like (laughs) simple. It's so, exactly. Very very easy. i put this in show notes. This is good. And, and it's yeah. not like you're switching a seed a day. Like it's just yeah. a quick just little, so just those half in the last, last two weeks. Yeah. I so love if you're not that.
1: having a period, you know, which some women aren't, the best thing to do is start it on like the next moon cycle, right. To so oh. start to kind of regulate it with the moon cycle and just kind of go from there. And normally I see within two rounds of doing your seed cycling, your periods are like, what? No yeah. way. <laughs> Simple as
0: the seeds. You gotta go it's simple as simple as the seed cycling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, jumping no, on the seed cycle. Yes, so this is a right. look that you were like, haven't you heard? I'm like, no, yeah, no, no have, yeah, This is right. why you're here. Like we haven't heard it's any of so it like Seed cycling. Like I'm literally going to go search that. Right yeah. Pretty, and pretty,
1: pretty it's pretty incredible. safe to do, you know, it's not chronic indicated with medications. So you don't need to worry, where, like, if you're using herbs and things like that, you want to make sure like you're, you know, talking yeah. to an herbalist or talking to an atropath to make sure you taking the right ones for you. This, you don't have to worry. It takes out that worry factor and it's giving you your omega-3s it's giving you your omega-6s
0: so flax and pumpkin then sesame and you have a good memory
1: um (laughs) i already forgot sesame yeah flax and pumpkin and then sesame your s's so sesame and sunflower sesame and sunflower Mm, so so i can send it to you i'll send it to you guys please do amazing
0: yeah Yeah. and then
1: uh, oh my gosh the diet piece is so so important like increasing your omega-3s in your diet so chia seeds flax seeds walnuts um, yeah. You can also do cinnamon because it actually helps balance your blood sugar and improve ovulation rates. Turmeric is like your anti-inflammatory god. That's like the best. So yeah, you know, I turmeric in things. like turmeric
0: lattes. Oh, yeah. So yeah.
1: Another, tri- another trick is to add
0: just a dash of black pepper because yeah, black yeah.
1: pepper will activate the,
0: the turmeric. Turmeric. It's all in the mix. I get it at the health food store. Perfect. Okay, and I also have one, one big question. I was never a coffee drinker like I literally went 30 well till Piper was born I started incorporating a little bit because you just I just needed to and then I now Clark, like I had become a full fledged coffee drinker and I noticed my hormones out of whack way more with Clark than I did with Piper Mm -hmm. and same like common theme, like low libido, like hormones out of whack. I found like just even like the abdominal weight, like held on longer, all those. And let me tell you why. So uh, caffeine, um, Overstimulates the adrenal glands. Right, I okay. heard you say and that, so and she so was like, "Do I not? Do I need to cut it out again? Full fledged is Jesus. what I'm Depressive. wondering. Aggressive. Oh, yeah, no, I know so depressing. and now I'm like, I actually enjoy it. I'm becoming the person who enjoys it, and <laughs> which is yeah. the general public, right? Mm. I used to be. It might just be <laughs> the habit. It might be the habit of
1: having something warm. It might not be yeah. necessarily the caffeine aspect that you need. But what happens is because it overstimulates the adrenal glands, it it puts us into that fight or flight response. Mm. And so every day, it's normal to go into a fight or flight reaction, right? Like when we're, you know, we're standing at a traffic light and we go to step in the middle of the street and oh, a car comes, we got to go (gasps) and we step back, Right. right? And then it's like, that's when your adrenal glands secrete your cortisol and secrete your adrenaline to help you react quickly, right? So that's the sign of a normal, healthy adrenal gland. But chronically over time, when we're, fatigued all the time. We're dealing with toddlers. We're dealing with babies. We're postpartum or maybe you're just dealing with um COVID and shutting down all your wax patients, um, <laughs> Not a big
0: deal.
1: Getting stuck in traffic all day. Like and you know we're on <laughs> our phones and all of this. There's just so much going on that our adrenal glands become overstimulated already. And now they're becoming exhausted, trying to pump out all this cortisol to keep us going, but it it can't. And it's like, I I don't have enough cortisol to keep you, to keep you functioning. So we're starting to wake up in the middle of the night. We're starting to feel fatigued when we wake up, get that afternoon slump and energy. We almost have this like glitch going on in our brain where we're just like slow and delayed. And um, almost yeah. like a brain ew.
0: fog. Maybe oh, excuse
1: me. Right? <laughs> so caffeine makes that worse because caffeine is keeping us in this overstimulated state all the time. Yeah. So it's constantly saying, "Hey, adrenal glands, be kind of going and stimulated, and, and all of this all day." Can so I then, you have kind a of little,
0: be little bit numb I, to Can it? I negotiate? Yeah, with can you? we have a little? Can I just negotiate? <laughs> yes, you can. One, you can one espresso shot a day. Yeah. Like that's benign. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy it in my Starbucks, me. right now out the window. Yeah.
1: I know. So, one of the All best me. things you can do, one of the best things you can do, so one of the biggest problems is people have their coffee on an empty stomach, right? Yeah, and so that spikes the blood sugar and drops it. And then you're going to crave a muffin or crave a carb. That's I like the, the typical pattern. Mm-hmm. So, if you have breakfast with your coffee, you're going to help yourself immensely. Okay. Okay, Done. a particularly that's, that's protein. Good
0: negotiation. We compromise there. Yeah, exactly. Breakfast with coffee exactly. is okay. Just don't overdo it. Yes. Regret. All
1: right. Yes. And if you know you have an adrenal gland issue, just try to cut back a little bit because your, your adrenal glands are having a hard time firing. Like my husband was looking at me, when was it? Like a month ago, and he's saying, Like, I think my son or something was on a bike and he was about to like go out into the street. And I just kind of like watched, and he was about to fall, and I just kind of watched it happen. Like it was like this delayed. Reaction, right, 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 right. and he's like, "Why didn't you like react?" And I was like,
0: "I don't
1: know." And then I realized, gotta learn. I'm like, "Oh my god, it's got to be these like matcha lattes I'm having every day because
0: really,
1: yes, because the caffeine, like I said, it kind of keeps our adrenal glands in this overstimulated state, and so we're kind of used to it. We're kind yeah. of used to like being in this over, overdrive, if that makes sense. And then, so when something actual serious happens, when our adrenal glands need to work to actually respond, it doesn't because
0: it's already like, I, I can I relate so much to that. I feel like I've done that so often where it's just like kind of watching it happen. And you see it play by play, but you're just yeah. not doing <laughs> you it like, that's from an overproduction of cortisol, essentially. Yes. Too much cortisol floating around.
1: Too much cortisol. But then over time, what happens is you don't have enough.
0: Right. Because your adrenal
1: gland, like it needs to produce cortisol to help you manage with stress, but it can't. So then it goes looking for other hormones to make cortisol. So what does it do? It picks up progesterone. So this Mm -hmm. is what we would call the progesterone steal.
0: Oh, that little. (laughs) And then your libido shifts the bed.
1: Then libido shifts the bed and testosterone drops and their libido shifts the bed even more and estrogen or cortisol and cortisol is high. high. It, it also, uh, or when your adrenal glands are affected in general, you keep weight around the middle. So that's what you were talking about, right? Yeah, I'm like, why am I doing all this exercise? I'm losing weight everywhere. But it's like my gut just, it's sitting there and it's
0: not going anywhere. So that's another way that you can look. Cause I just had someone reach out and asking exactly around that about like abdominal. And I was like, girl, I'll ask, let me find out for you because I am in the same exact boat. So for sure. um, So you could be eating
1: all the right things and, you know, doing all the right stuff, and nothing is budging. And that's because you're not looking at the adrenal piece, or if there's a thyroid piece, or maybe estrogen is too low, right? So, um, the exercise piece is actually quite important because I think a lot of people, especially women, we're doing like high intensity interval training. We're like, push, push, push. push. But if you're not changing up your routine or if you're, cause what exercise does is it also drives up cortisol and Mm -hmm. it's driving up inflammation. So if you're not doing anything to bring the cortisol down, or you're not doing anything to um, bring down the inflammation, that's going to cause wreak havoc on your hormones as well. And so we actually recommend not to overdo it. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually what I recommend is kind of sticking to not too much cardio. Mm -hmm. So shorter and harder is better to reduce cortisol levels but not to the extent where you're like literally in the gym for two hours a day. Like I'm talking about doing cardio max, you know, one to two times a week, never longer than 30 minutes. Strength training is better. Um, there's this intuitive, you know, that we think more is better, but this is not true for exercise and hormones. So you have to do it properly. And when you do it properly,
0: you will actually require so little exercise. I love, love this piece of advice because honestly it was, it's, starting to be the game changer with how I am with Clark, like post Clark now. And it was my game changer with Piper and I didn't recognize it at the time, but this time around, like I said, like I was having all of these issues and now, and, and everyone has told me like, who knows anything about hormones and hormone imbalance and stuff like that is that exact tip. It's like, okay, let's be gentle to ourselves. And this doesn't, this can be postpartum. This could be, you know, non-moms as well. Like if you're having those issues, let's be gentle to ourselves and start to actually like, go for a walk instead and mm-hmm. do lighter. Like I, so now I've been doing just Pilates and yoga and less. Yay, she's coming really? I know. Yes. And, yes. and I have to get, like, I have to get my one, like yes. ugh, in every week of just like yeah, absolutely. crushing it on a Peloton or something just to get that yes. sweat. I know it's not the best thing for me, but mentally it helps. Yeah. But exactly. then otherwise all of that calming. And it's literally in a couple, like probably six weeks, I've noticed like a massive difference in my body that, abdominal yeah. weight, all of those things. And like libido wise, then my libido has felt like it's coming back. So I feel like those types of things are key. And now you're addressing like,
1: like the core and I'm sure Nick is teaching you yeah. like where to activate, oh, yeah.
0: right? Totally. And like
1: you're activating the core, right? You're increasing blood flow to the reproductive organs, to the vagina, and that's going to enhance um, your libido, right? And yeah. so, and I think that when we, a lot of the exercise we do actually tightens our pelvic force so much that it's like 100%. so restrictive, and like blood flow can't even get there. <laughs> you know, oh, exactly. And exactly. unfortunately, a lot of people go use trainers, and those trainers are telling oh, them, "Don't get me started." Eat tons of eggs every morning. You know, six eggs a day, and all mm-hmm. this. And I get these people, and I'm like, "Oh my god." like what are you doing your body like stop you know? it's so or they're taught to go keto and that's just wreaking
0: havoc on their hormones yeah. too so. yeah good to know okay i so love this all like we need so got many. St- i feel like we're this is gonna cause like a whole bunch of extra podcasts Yeah, with we've keto, got additional ones on for like, sure yeah. sure, <laughs> <Honestly, laughs> it really is we have some quick rapid fire um advice so let's just like kind of you know wrap her up wrap her up in the sense of If you had one piece of advice to give to someone listening to this who has low libido postpartum, what is your advice?
1: Okay. So my biggest piece of advice would be to connect with yourself and connect with your partner because I think we're in denial a lot and we do tend to blame our babies. We do tend to blame our hormones, which Mm. that is one piece. Of course, go and get tested, test your thyroid, test your progesterone um, and, you know, make sure you're getting support and sleep and things like that. But having a discussion with yourself to recognize what is going on on a mental and an emotional level, because we know, like, I would say mindfulness is the most important piece when it comes to regulating hormones and recognizing where the issue with libido lies. Mm -hmm. And so is there a self-worth issue? Are there these myths and, you know, false beliefs that you have about postpartum or even about pregnancy and about, um, yourself and, and also connecting with your partner because there's probably an imbalance of libido Mm -hmm. happening where the partner has Mm -hmm. this high libido and you don't, and that can cause big issues in relationships. You know, that can cause, um, partners to become resentful partner, the partner who has kind of the the higher libido to think, you know, maybe she doesn't want me anymore and I'm not good enough. And, you know, um, maybe, you know, all of these things. And so these are all potential issues to kind of, you know, you want to talk to your partner, explain how you're deeply feeling. Don't just say, I'm not interested and leave it at that. Tell them about your thoughts, your anxieties, your fears. Um, So getting emotional is really important. So research actually suggests that women tend to feel more sexual desire towards those men uh, for whom they feel like an emotional connection with. Right. So, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So the most important thing a man can do to get a woman in the mood is to have that strong emotional connection, have more touching, try hugging for twenty seconds, mm-hmm. and um, after you know the baby's down, the babies go to bed, and that's when we're like the most exhausted. <laughs> um, right. You know, just even having that cuddle on the couch—it doesn't have to be sex. But just reconnecting, show your partner love in other ways as well. Um, looking into the root cause, like I said, and a woman's biggest sex organ is her brain. Yes. Okay. Really? So, yes. Yeah. So to turn her on, a man needs to help her turn off her brain. Right. Because yes. we're going through lists and we're going through. Oh, what yeah, for sure. Um, so. We have actually f- found parts of the brain responsible for processing fear, anxiety, and emotion slowed down significantly in women as they become aroused, which is really interesting.
0: Oh um, so,
1: so men can kind of help if they help around the house, if they recognize when women are very, like, highly under stress, they can really help with that.
0: Men they just need to hear this. That's it. We'll just, just like tell them what time code to listen to. Yeah, exactly. Like way. come on in and listen <laughs> to this part. And you just put, you got it. On there you go. Also,
1: like I relate to you guys. I'm postpartum and my libido is like zero. And but I'm going, like, well, do I even want my libido to be higher right now? Like, I don't know. I don't know if I really care. I don't know if I have energy for sex. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but I do notice that it does affect your relationship with your partner it does yes. and then that also makes mood change and makes things worse and so it probably takes us just sitting down and reconnecting with our bodies and being mm-hmm. like listen I deserve sex I deserve to be aroused and to have an orgasm and to have this fulfilling life of sex right and so Totally right so totally. I think it's so true
0: um, I think you've covered so much yeah. here. where tell us where people can find you
1: Absolutely. So um, you can find me on my website. Um, so I think you're going to put that probably in the show notes. But it's um, DrJessicaND.com, and I my clinic is based out of King City, but I have a large virtual practice right now. So anyone can kind of connect with me virtually. Uh, I do. I'm very active on my Instagram account. Um, it's uh, Dr Jessica Dupont. You'll be able to easily find me there. I, I put love tons of information. On there.
0: Honestly. Oh, okay. Great. Those low libido, check menstrual cycles. Yeah. Get on the seed cycle. Seed <laughs> Seed, cycling. seed cycling. Sleep is key and bring, bring down an self-kind diet not yeah. too much and not too much coffee but a little is okay and not too much sugar you want to cut the sugar because sugar cut, just sugar. On and hormones. bananas yeah. are cool we love bananas. yeah eat your bananas and connect with your partner and you deserve it yeah have the sex you deserve it that's right i like it absolutely <laughs> all right thank you so much jessica this has been amazing oh thank you so much
1: for having me this is okay, this is great. really great thank you so much ladies exactly.
0: Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.